0: Amen. Please be seated. Now we're going um, to turn to God's word to look at answer to a question. Um, it's a difficult question at one level in the context of our culture, because the Bible's answer is very different to the answer that our culture would give. And um, I know it's a Sunday evening. But uh, I am going to ask you all to think. And uh, if you've got any questions, occasionally up on the screen, my mobile number will come. And unusually, I have my mobile switched on up here. So feel free to ask questions in that way. Um, And if you don't have a mobile and you want to ask, then feel free to ask anyway. The problem that we're going to look at, and it's a big problem to a lot of people, where people say, I believe in equality. It's one of the great phrases. You know, every, We're all for equality. Everyone's for, who's against equality? We're all for equality. Uh, our, our children are taught it in school as an absolute. Don't believe that our children are not being taught that there are no absolutes. There are. This is an absolute. Equality. We all believe in equality. Everyone's for equality. But people will say the Bible doesn't. The Bible oppresses women, gays, blacks, and so on. That's the caricature that is taught. Also, if you're not from Scotland, um, it may help you to know in Scottish culture, there is a strong tradition of what we call egalitarianism. Uh, A man's a man for all that, we're all Jock Thompson's bairns, and so on. That's a very, very uh, strong tradition. I grew up as a farm worker's son. And I grew up in a culture in which I believed, not because I was arrogant, but because it was just assumed that uh, I had as much right to a higher education and to everything else as the the boss's sons. And uh, I grew up in a very egalitarian world in that sense. For me, it's a matter of some distress that in my lifetime in Scotland, uh, that egalitarianism, although people talk more about equality, I think it's less... Evident. And that's seen in many, many uh, different ways. For example, someone from my background is much less likely to go to university now than they were when I went in 1979. I got paid to go to university. How's, how cool is that? Uh, no student debt. It was just great, and I got to study whatever I wanted without thinking of a job, which is just as well because I did history. <laughs> but um, sorry if you're doing history. But um, our society says that. Say so we believe in equality. Today's news NHS England have been told that every time doctors are to be told, in fact, all health professionals have been told uh, that every time a a patient comes to them, they should be asked about their sexuality. And this is apparently in order to fulfill the Equalities Act. And the thought of that is to me, that's insane. My mother uh, in her 80s going to the doctor for the flu and to be asked, well, what's your sexuality? That's just bizarre. But that is where we have come when we we hear about equality all the time. Hundreds of projects the Scottish government has announced aimed at tackling inequality and discrimination are to benefit from more than £20 million in funding. Uh, More than £3 million will go each towards large organisations such as the Equality Network, Exclusion Scotland and the Scottish Refugee Council. And many in the church say, well, yes, equality is a good thing. This is great. This is what we want. Uh, And our society asks the question in such a way that it's hard to go against it. Let me give you one example. When opinion polls asked, were people for same-sex marriage, the majority of people said no. When they changed the wording to, were you for equal marriage, the majority of people say yes. How you word things is very important. Equality is such a shibboleth. So if, is it true that the church is opposed to equality. Is it true that there's inequality amongst men and women? Is it true that if you're gay, you are not welcome here? You're, you're not equal with everybody else here. You can take whatever, i mean, race, ethnicity, or whatever. Is that true? It's a serious accusation. It's one that we need to take seriously. So let's turn to the Bible. And um, let me suggest to you, sorry, that's... There's the problem, and there's the number as well. Our society teaches, and I believe that all human beings are equal, but the church and the Bible teach they are not. So I don't want to come anywhere near the church. Um, You'll find that, a lot of you, in your work tomorrow, that that's the attitude that people have. They think they're all for equality, and they think that we're not. Um, The solution, the radical equality of the Bible. Psalm 8. We're going to look especially at verses 4 and 5. And then after that, we are going to go... Uh, All over different parts of the Bible. And if you've got your Bible, it would be good if you're able to follow that. But I will put the verses up on the screen as well. Now, the radical equality of the Bible comes from this. That we are all made in the image of God. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care your race, your sexuality, gender, whatever else. Every single human being is made in the image of God. Same, what is man? The NIV, uh, more modern NIV has it, what is humanity, recognizing that man just does mean humanity. And these two verses give us a, a very profound answer, which I just have time uh, to mention. First of all, we've been thought of by God. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, that you think of them? Isn't it wonderful when somebody thinks of you? You know, they remember your birthday, they give you flowers, or um, they remember particular things about you. Isn't that, 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 that's a really, really nice thing. They remember that you've been, they've been mindful of you. Well, the psalmist is asking, what's humanity, that the God who created everything, actually cares about us? We've been considered. Sorry, I uh, haven't preached for a while, so I'm uh, uh, back to the old alliteration habits. Uh, they help me. Uh, we've been cared for, verse 4. Human beings, what are human beings that you care for them? See, the interesting thing that today's humanity kind of assumes that we're, we're at the top of the evolutionary tree, and yet human beings get treated more and more like dirt, whereas here the Bible teaches that the Almighty God cares for human beings, and He knows how rotten we are. He knows the bad stuff that goes on in our lives and in the world. And yet he still cares for us. But it's not finished. What is humanity? We've been created. You've made them a little lower than the angels. Genesis 1, and 27 are absolutely crucial in this. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, So they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There have occasionally been Christian teachers who've gone astray. And they've taught that women are not as much created in the image of God. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible makes it absolutely clear. We are all created in the image of God. Now, when you and I look around and look at one another, that's really hard to believe. Um, And when you think about all the different people, you know, when when Osama bin Laden was shot and killed and people thought, isn't that wonderful? And they were rejoicing. I'm not being a a soft, wet liberal. I didn't. Because I thought there's someone in the image of God. Maybe he had to be, maybe he didn't. Who knows? But that's somebody in the image of God. We have got this weird priority in our culture where sometimes people will cry much more over the death of a pet rabbit than they will over a neighbor. But all human beings are made in the image of God. Male and female are made in the image of God. Black and white are made in the image of God. Straight and homosexual are made in the image of God. No Christian should look upon any other human being and regard them as being scum or is not made in the image of God. And the psalmist goes beyond that. He says that human beings are crowned. They are crowned with glory and honor, things that are ascribed to God. There's a creation mandate that we are given. There's a dignity in humanity. We are not just chemicals. If you are an atheist materialist, you have a real problem with equality. Why? Because you believe that human beings are ultimately just a collection of chemicals. We may be a more sophisticated collection of chemicals, but that's what we are. What is the difference between you and a cockroach? Not much. I'm constantly told that I have uh, 86% uh, DNA equivalent of a cucumber. Or a banana. That's not people being rude to me. That's them trying to point out our similarities with other aspects of the creation. Well, no one denies that. 99% with a chimpanzee, apparently. But it's very interesting. No chimpanzee asks about the 99% and the difference between chimpanzees and humanity. There's something very different about human beings. And In in the Bible's teaching, that is what we recognize. We are made in the image of God. Now, there is a problem. And the problem is this, that once we go through Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, we come to Genesis 3 and we come to the fall of humanity. The reason there is inequality in the world, the reason there is injustice, the reason there is evil, the reason when Hugh goes to Myanmar, we have to pray for him because of the situation that's there, which is horrendous with the Rohingya Muslims, and so and I remember, I mean, most of you who've grown up with the idea of Buddhism in the West, it's, I mean, it's the religion of peace, isn't it? Well, w- what's going on with the Buddhists killing Muslims in Burma? And before that, it was the Karen people who were Christians. Well, it's because humanity is like that. Um, there's a series just now on BBC4 uh, about the Vietnamese War, and I, I just... I, I find it absolutely fascinating, both the stupidity of it on all sides and the horror of it. And yet, the humanity, the goodness, the the, the woman who sends her son off to war, 17 years old, he's really keen to go. She doesn't want him to go. He's desperate to fight. And then one day, she gets the visit from the military officer telling her that her son has been killed. And she said, "What, what for? It's just, it's... Horrendous. Well, what has happened in this world is that the desire to dominate, the desire to have power, the desire to be as God leads to exploitation, disruption, abuse, fighting, strife, and war. So what the Bible teaches about equality, first of all, it teaches us that all human beings are made in the image of God equally. Secondly, it teaches that we're equally in need of salvation. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If anybody ever gets the impression at any time that Christians are saying, we're fine and you guys are lost because of your sexuality or because of your um, lifestyle and so on. That's actually not what we are teaching. The teaching of every single Christian should be that we are sinners In need of salvation, the same as everybody else. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all equal in death. Hebrews 9.27, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. It does not matter if you get buried in a pyramid with all your wealth around you or if you are buried in a pauper's grave. It doesn't matter. I was um, talking to the undertakers recently and they told me a really sad story of a funeral that they'd done where only one person attended. The person, and they said, how sad it must be to die that alone. Well, it doesn't matter if you die surrounded by lots of people, if you die in wealth or poverty, when we're dead, we're dead and we're all equally dead. And nothing that we have on this earth can we take with us. That's an equality maybe that a lot of people don't like. But we should remember that. When the proud and the arrogant vaunt themselves and say, well, look at us, how great we are. I say, yeah, you're going to end up in the grave too. Now, they don't want to hear that. But that is the case. And then equally, I would say this, we are all invited to come to Christ. Matthew 11:28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Or Paul, to the Greek philosophers, Acts 17:30, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. I remember once being asked at a meeting by a man who was incredibly angry, who stood up and said, I, I cannot believe that you are saying that I'm a sinner are you saying I'm a sinner? And I said, yes. And he, he was, I thought he was going to come and hit me. He was so angry. So I said, listen, can you just sit down and let me finish what I'm, sounding like a politician, let me finish being interviewed. Can, can you just sit down and let me finish what I'm trying to say? I said, you are a sinner. And I said, I'm not talking about your lifestyle. I'm not talking about your sexuality. I'm talking about the fact that you are a sinner. But I want to tell you this also, that I am certain I am a worse sinner than you. And he looked absolutely horrified. And I thought, what's he done? He must have committed murder or something. Um, Because he's just, he looked at me. I thought, what? What have you done? And I said, the reason I think I'm a worse sinner is I'm almost certain that I know much more about God than you do. And yet I still sin against that God. And that makes me a worse sinner. It's like the Apostle Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. So we are all in need of salvation. We are all equal in death. We are all invited to come to Christ. So the solution in terms of the radical equality of the Bible is to say that all human beings, without exception, are made in the image of God. And these, these other three things as well. Now I want to reverse the problem a little bit. And I want to think about it this way. Um, when our society and culture... Maybe you you argue this. When you say about equality, what do you mean? Are we equal in wealth? Obviously not. Are we equal in status? Obviously not. Are we equal in intelligence? Obviously not. Are we equal in good looks? Obviously not. Height? No. Speed? No. I can't run like you, Bolt. Are we equal in abilities? No. Perhaps the nearest people can get when they say we're all equal is we should all have equal opportunity, but we don't. We're all of equal worth. But people believe that. Do they believe it? The Bible has a reason for it, but does our culture have a reason for it? And because our culture doesn't and can't answer that question, those who keep going on about equality in our culture end up being absolute hypocrites. They may mean well, but they end up being hypocrites. And I want to refer to Orwell's George Orwell's Animal Farm where he reflected on this. And I don't think there's been anything better written about this. He was talking about what happened in Stalinist Russia. But um, in that parable, if you like, Orwell talks about the pigs rising up against humanity. And these are the, the pigs speaking or the animals speaking. All the habits of man are evil. And above all, no animal must ever tyrannize over his own kind. Weak or strong, clever or simple, we are all brothers. No animal must ever kill any other animal. All animals are equal. Now in our culture, what we have done, our elites, the people who govern us, basically said there is no God. Gods create trouble, gods create inequality. All human beings are equal. Uh, No human being must ever kill any other, and so on. Later on... um, Of course, it doesn't work out in this perfect animal society. And there is killing occurs, not just of human beings, but of other animals. And it's said of the leader, Napoleon, "'Do not imagine, comrades, that leadership is a pleasure. On the contrary, it's a deep and heavy responsibility. No one believes more firmly than comrade Napoleon that all animals are equal. He would be only too happy to let you make your decisions for yourselves. But sometimes you might make the wrong decisions, comrades.' And then where should we be? Now, that's where we've got to in our culture. I watched a chilling thing of the Scottish Parliament where children were invited in, primary school children were invited to be part of a parliamentary committee on equality. And they were so patronized. But one of the things that really struck with me was when they were asked, you know, what, what do you want? Well, we know, we want women footballers to be paid the same as men. And one of the politicians said, your teachers have taught you well. You think, yeah. That's right. They're indoctrinating them into the same thing. And it was all the standard stuff that you would expect. What's happening in our culture is people say, well, you're all equal, and you can all make your own decisions, but if you make the wrong decisions, we're going to correct them for you. So we increasingly live in a nanny state in lots and lots of different ways. Orwell had his most famous phrase, of course, in that book, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. So here's the problem in our society that it says it believes in equality, but it has no basis for that equality, and it cannot provide it with justice. So it just becomes a meaningless word. The rich and the powerful and the privileged will continue to be the rich and the powerful and the privileged. They will talk about equality, but they will do so in such a way that implies that if you were as good as them, then you would also be rich and powerful and privileged. They say that we live in a meritorious society where you can work your way to the top. And then if you're at the top, you think that you've earned it. And obviously those at the bottom, they just haven't worked hard enough. That's what it means to live in a meritocracy. It's actually profoundly unequal. The irony is that those who claim they're for equality end up pushing, as in Orwell's thing, for uh, inequality So go back to that NHS directive to doctors. What's wrong with it? The answer is it's only one issue. Why not ask about religion? Why not ask about poverty every time you go to the doctor? Because it's not about the health of the patient. It's about showing how correct and in tune with the values of the leadership in our society, the NHS management are The Equality Network in Scotland, for example, is not about equality at all. It's only about one issue, sexuality and gender issues. All are equal, but some are more equal than others. And then there's another part of this problem coming to Scottish culture and Scotland's egalitarianism. It wasn't based on some kind of communism. We weren't all socialists and so on. It was just based on scripture, actually, based on what we just said. As Burns says, then let us pray that come it may as come it will for all that, that sense and worth or all the earth shall bear the gray and all that. For all that and all that, it's coming yet for all that, that man to man, the world or shall brothers be for all that. Burns, I don't think was referring to Christianity, he was referring to a dream that we'd all be brothers and sisters throughout the world. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in the world, but it happens in the church. It happens throughout the world in the church. By the way, that's why racism in any church is always wrong. What are you doing when you're being racist against somebody? It's also, by the way, why homophobia is wrong, but I'll come on to that in a moment. So let me come back to the biblical solution because that's a challenge to those who say, oh, well, I'm for equality. What do you mean and how do you get it? What is it based on? Here, again, let me just develop the the biblical answer a little bit more. And then we'll, we'll stop. Um, the first is this. We are not equal to God. We need to recognize and accept that. To whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. But far too often, people act as though they are equal to God. And what a nerve it is for you as a human being, a created being, to say to your creator, I'm sorry, I'm not going to believe in you because you're not good enough for me. Because you don't fit my standards and my values. There's something wrong with that. You are made in the image of God. God is not your master. But you are fallen, as am I. Now we saw earlier that we're equally made in the image of God. We're equally in need of salvation. We're equal in death. We're all invited to come to Christ. But if you want to see real equality, it's restored in the church. Let me just give you some of these verses Matthew 20 verse 12 those who were hired last worked only one hour they said and you have made them equal to us who borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day Jesus is telling a parable people went out to work they started in the morning they got paid what they'd agreed to work for but then other people came in and they only came in the last hour and they got paid the same and they said this is not fair why are they getting paid the same And, and the owner says well wait a minute I agreed to pay you this that's fine. There's a radical equality in the church, and it's this. If you've been here as a Christian and serving the Lord for 50 years, and Joe Bloggs walks in off the street who's been a drunkard and, and just led, led a really ridiculous life, wild life, and he's converted and becomes a Christian, he's as much a Christian as you are. Oh, minute, that's, that's not fair. I, I've, I've been going this. No, no, no. no. That's the radical equality. And it's wonderful. Or Galatians 3.28. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Now, this is one of the most misused verses in the whole Bible. Paul's not saying there's not Jews and Gentiles, because there is. He says, I'm a Jew. And he's not saying there's neither slave or free, because he writes to both. And he's not saying there's not male or female, because he recognizes that there is. But he's saying, in Christ, we are all one. In Christ. We are all equal. I would argue outside of Christ, you will not get that equality, but in Christ, you have it first corinthians twelve twenty five so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. You know one of the saddest things you hear in a church well, people were really kind to them, gave them meals didn't give us any. I never get invited anywhere. Or so-and-so was sick and lots of people were praying for them, but they never prayed for me. Now, that may or may not be true. It would be very sad if it was true. Its parts should have equal concern for each other. That's radical equality. 2 Corinthians 8.13, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. Uh, In my earlier days, I veered towards communism. I read, well, I didn't read Das Kapital, but I did read the Communist Manifesto. Loved the phrase, from each according to their means, to each according to their needs. And then I realized Marx was a Jew, and Marx knew the New Testament very well. That didn't come from Marx. It came from 1 Corinthians 8, from each according to their means to each according to their needs. That is the basic principle within the Christian church. We support, and we help, and we encourage one another. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy in the church. There is something wrong with being wealthy in the church and not using it to help and provide for your family. That's why in Leviticus 25, when that was read, it may seem a bit strange, but you can take basic principles from that, especially the one, do not take advantage of each other. Uh, When we got married, self and animal, we didn't have very much. In fact, we bunged it all, all that we had in the back of a wee van and went up to Broder. We got married, and then two weeks later, We went up to Brora in Sutherland to start ministry. And, um, you know, we had an interesting house because the chairs just came in from the garage, whatever anyone left. So it was an eclectic collection. Um, If you were a hippie, you would have loved it. Uh, It wasn't exactly stylish if you were, you know, even Ikea. But uh, we did buy uh, a suite. And I couldn't afford to buy a suite. So what happened was another Christian uh, lent us the money and I said to him okay you know we'll have to pay you back with interest he said I'm not paying it. you're not taking interest out of me so I'm not taking interest from you he said you can pay it back as you, as you can but you're not taking interest and it was the first time I'd come across that and I think he was spot on I think he was quite right I think we need there's a problem I think in our in our church I think there's a problem in our culture and I think that, that we in the church reflect the culture much more than we would like to think. You really think coming to church on Sunday and having a cup of tea afterwards is fellowship? No, it's not. Fellowship is when your brother and sister are in need and you care for them and you provide for them. And I'm not talking about the patronizing, oh, let's give someone charity. I'm talking about genuinely. I hope that if you're a member in this congregation and you're in, in need, that we can genuinely help and support one another. There is equality. Okay, let let me deal with a wee caveat here. But what about the problem that was stated at the beginning? Women, homosexuals, or transgender, are they equal in the church? Yes, of course. Fundamentally, on the basis of what has just been said, our identity is in Christ, not in gender, or nationality, or sexuality. And I will honestly say this, whoever you are, you are very welcome in this church on the same terms as everybody else, that we are seeking Christ, looking for Christ, and seeking to obey Christ. It doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, transgender, rich, poor, male, female, whatever ethnicity, skin, color, nation, or even religion. I remember a Muslim man saying to us, would I be welcome in your church? I said, you're very welcome. And you know, churches hang out signs saying we're an inclusive church. That's not what they mean. What they mean is you are welcome in here because we affirm your lifestyle and we agree with it. What we mean by inclusive is everybody is welcome to come and hear about Jesus and everyone faces the same challenge. But being equal does not mean being the same. There's another word, diversity. We're equal but we're not all the same. Which is just such a wonderful thing. But being equal also does not mean that we can just do what we want and ignore God's word. We are all sinners in need of redemption. Whatever our gender, sexuality, race, social class, and so on. And if you choose to follow your own standards, your own laws, or the standards and laws of our culture, rather than the laws of God, then you don't create equality and you you yourself will not be equal. But if you follow Christ, you will. And what that means is this. It means that anyone who comes and they say, well, I'm equal, I want this, I want to belong to Christ, but I also want to ignore what he says. You don't grasp what Christianity is. Christianity, you die, you give yourself up to follow Christ. And that means if you come as a wealthy person, you're giving him your wealth. And if you come as somebody... um, where your identity is your sexual orientation, you give him that as well. You, you, people don't grasp how radical real Christianity is. And I would go even further than that. The scripture teaches that if you turn against God, ultimately you're also turning against humanity because you're turning against the people who are made in God's image. It is not the loving thing It is not the kind thing. It is not the compassionate thing to say to people, yeah, fine. Live any way that you want. It doesn't matter because God will love you anyway and we have to love you anyway. That's not what God's words says. People who turn against God end up, because they have rejected God, living without him forever. And they end up being destroyed in hell. And it's not loving to say to people, that's fine, carry on with a a rejection of God, which will send you to hell. No matter how many laws you pass, you will not get radical equality without this radical solution. So, let me just finish by saying, how do we get there? And that does... Answer the key question, because it's not about law. It's not about saying, here's a list of laws that if you keep, you get there. That's the way of the world, and that's the way of the religious. Bizarrely, that's the way of our government, where it says we're going to pass these laws, and we will enforce equality. No, you won't. You'll never enforce equality. There'll always be a different way for people to oppress others. But the way of Christ is to show us the law, to show us God's law, to make us realize that because we are fallen, we cannot obey it. And this is the absolute beauty of the gospel. Look at these words. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, is the translation I would prefer. Uh, Something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We've mentioned the Trinity a lot today. Lucy was talking about the Trinity and Sinclair was talking about the Trinity, and Annabelle was listening to a Tim Keller sermon, what else, uh, about the Trinity. Um, and I've actually been reading John Owen on the Trinity as well, so it's, just, it's a lot in my mind. And um, one of the big arguments, for those of you who are theologians, is subordinationism within the Trinity. Is the fa- are the Father and the Son equal? And the answer is yes. Father, Son, and Spirit are equal. Now, there's a big argument about how that gets expressed in different ways, but it's fundamentally part of who God is. And yet Christ, according to this, did not consider the equality that he had with God something to be held on to. But he gave it up to become a human being. He came from the glory of heaven to live in the squalor Of a stable, he came from the angels adoring him to the disciples betraying him and the world that he had created, as Sinclair showed us this morning, calling him a blasphemer because he said who he was. That's what Christ did. He humbled himself to the extent that he died the cursed death on the cross bearing sin, facing all the anger of God for us. He gave up his equality with God that we might share in that equality. And that is an an extraordinary thing. The humblest Christian, the poorest Christian, the dumbest Christian is in a far better position than those who are rich and powerful but do not have Christ. God is not a God of inequality. He is a God of justice, mercy, and the most profound love. And that's why I would say to absolutely every single human being, how can you believe in a God who's a God of inequality? I would say you have no idea what you're saying. You don't know what equality is. And the most amazing thing is you have no idea how equal you can be. And you don't have to earn it. You don't have to be patronized. It doesn't have to be put into government law. It's not just a matter of words. But when you come to know Christ... You are in Christ, you are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ, you are raised with Christ, your resurrection is guaranteed because of Christ, you will be with Christ forever, and in the most extraordinary way, God regards you as he regards his own son. You are loved in a way that is absolutely incomprehensible, because I'll tell you this, rather than being equal in the eyes of what the world calls equal, you know what most people want? They just want to be loved. They want their parents to love them. They want their wife or their partner to love them. They want their friends to love them. They even want their boss to love them or they want to love their boss. I mean, we just want love. And God gives us this absolutely extraordinary and wonderful love. A love that gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So I'm not making excuses for inequality and injustice. I think it's really important, but this is the language of Christianity and what the world has done is taken our language and used it and given it a false and a wrong meaning and a shallow and a superficial meaning. And we need to take it back. So Christians, please don't fall for the trap of saying, oh, I'm against equality. No, you're not. You're really for equality. And when you get equality and diversity training, say, yeah, absolutely, let's go for it. Um, can my minister come in and tell you what it really is? No, maybe not. <laughs> that would be good though, wouldn't it? Or you could maybe you could do that. I don't know. But we have to be the passionate advocates for equality. We have to demonstrate it. We have to show it. I remember being in a uh, a place once where there were a group of people who'd just been at a training and diversity course, and it was about equality and diversity and so on. And it was about racism and homophobia. And you know, as I sat there, and doubtless they all passed absolutely perfectly and they used all the right language, but as I sat there, they used the most horrendous racist jokes. And I thought, this is just hypocrisy. This is just awful. Let's not that happen in the church. Those of you who are Christians, please let's treat one another equally as brothers and sisters. Recognizing our differences and our diversity, thanking God for that. But let's not be hypocrites in that way. Let's show the world what equality is. And let's not give in to the culture which equates equality with rejecting God and rejecting his law. That's not equality. That's the road to hell. And the most unequal place is hell. Heaven is where we share in the glory and beauty of Christ. And that's all that we need. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word.